everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Mandy, otherwise known as Cherry Cyanide. And as usual, we kick off the show with giving some shout-outs to our fellow Podbelly podcast. Head over and head on over to podbelly.com for any kind of podcast you want to listen to. Um, there's We're Not Sure Yet and Robots for Eyes and all things Star Wars podcast. So head on over there. There's True Crime, Paranormal serial um star wars entertainment basically any kind any kind of category you're looking for so head on over to podbelly.com check them out as well i want to give another patreon shout out to our patreon Artie allen thanks for joining if you want to become a patreon as well you can head on over to patreon.com and look for the podcast there's all different size slices of pie that you can sign up for to get early access to the episodes, bonus episodes, stickers, all kinds of fun stuff. So head on over, check that out, support us because as all podcasts are, we're not doing this for a living. We're kind of struggling. So head on over, give us a little, uh, a little love, a little support that way. So today's episode is another Northern Ontario one because that's what I'm continuing to do this year and this season. Um, it was weird that when I started the podcast, I started with seasons because I was just going to do it as a summer on the side kind of show. And it's one of those things where you start with seasons, you kind of have to continue. It's hard to not have seasons anymore. Um, so this whole season is about Northern Ontario topics, um, mysteries, unsolved things, general interesting topics of the area. Um, I don't know how long the season's going to be, so we're just going to keep going until I decide to make it the next season. I don't know. Seasons are weird in podcasts. So keeping with that, this episode is about Christina Kaleka. I hope I'm saying that right. And she is a missing person who disappeared in the area. Um, in Northern Ontario, there's probably quite a bit of missing people I would imagine um, it's very woodsy <laughs> there's you know gaps of several hours between towns it's long lonely stretches of the Trans-Canada Highway which is down to one lane in either direction for a majority of it and you know you drive through it and there's just there's nothing it's you know a lot of wilderness so I'm kind of surprised that there isn't a lot more mysterious disappearances but this is one that's from my area, and it's a pretty good disappearance one, so I figured I'd do, uh, I'd do a show on it. So, Christina Kaleka, age 20, of Toronto, uh, which is from southern Ontario. So, Toronto is about, I want to say, like, well, it's a 20-ish hour drive to Ottawa from Thunder Bay, so Toronto's probably around that as well. Basically, the complete other side of Lake Superior. Um, so, it's, it's pretty far far away. Um, most people from Toronto, they will go camping in the Muskoka area where a lot of them have cottages. They call them cottages down there. We call them camps up here and cabins. And they don't really venture this far to go camping. So this one's a little bit surprising. Um, but she was from Toronto and her and her friends were camping in the Rainbow Falls Provincial Park, which is 200 kilometers east of Thunder Bay. And on the morning of August 6, 2007, she disappeared. She went for a jog and <clears throat> was basically never seen again. Um, so the whole, the whole story is um, the group, 
her and her she came with some friends so it was her her cousin and two friends from a church group and they arrived around noon on sunday august 5th they got to the provincial park found their campsite set up camp relax a little bit and then they decided to take a short nap so i never did find out if they drove or flew but my guess is they probably drove because you don't really fly to camp somewhere um, so that could explain why they wanted to sort of have a nap in the middle of the day. However, they failed to set their alarm and they didn't wake up until 1030 at night. So I don't know when they went to sleep. You know, if they got around noon, it probably took like an hour or two to set everything up. So that's, that's long. That's like a whole night sleep basically. Um, so they all woke up around 1030 and to make up for a lot of lost time in the day they decided to have a bonfire have some food hang out you know do the whole campground thing probably sit around possibly drink <laughs> there's no reports of their drinking but i mean it's kind of hard not to at camps and so they did that and then they finally went to bed it was four in the morning um around 6 30 they decided to get up which again you know two hours of of sleep <laughs> that's kind of the sleeping of this is really strange to me so they get there at noon they nap all day they wake up at 10 30 stay up till four and then go to you know go to sleep for two hours and get up around 6 30. um maybe they're just resetting their clocks but it's the same time zone so that's kind of weird to me so around 6 30 in the morning uh christina and eddie who was one of her friends from the church group decided to go for a jog they ran together for a bit but then they split up along the way because Eddie wanted to run along the highway and Christina wanted to run through the park along the trails. Eddie ran for about an hour and returned to camp and Christina never made it back from her run. She was last seen wearing a blue hooded sweatshirt, purple striped shirt, black pants and white running shoes. The OPP, which is the Ontario Provincial Police Northwest Division Emergency Response Team had used four canine units three helicopters, two fixed-wing aircraft, and a float plane to try and locate her. Approximately 100 police officers and specially trained civilians searched the area for about 17 days. What was at the time considered cutting-edge technology was also used, including GPS mapping software, infrared cameras, and underwater side-scanning radar, but no sign of Christina had ever been found. So there's... I guess the, the the gist of it, the basics of the story. Um, one thing that does stand out is it took them seven hours to report her missing. So Eddie, you know, they ran for about an hour. So you figure from 6.30 to 7.30. And then it took them about seven hours to report her missing. And now where Rainbow Falls is, it's, you know, 200 kilometers east of Thunder Bay. It's close to Nipigon, Terrace Bay, and a lot of other small towns. You would think that if your friend went missing, you know, you go for a run and you realize she hasn't come back. Maybe, yeah, you go looking for her, but I can't see waiting seven hours. Like maybe after an hour or two, you decide to hop in the car and, you know, go to one of the towns and report her missing then. Not wait seven hours. And even if you're, you know, you're there with a few people, you're sort of frantically <laughs> looking through the woods, like... That's a long time because even if they thought that maybe she had hurt, you know, fallen and got hurt, injured herself somewhere, something happened to her, that's a really long time to wait. Um, so she she went missing. There's no sign of her that have ever been found. Um, they haven't found her clothes. They haven't found, you know, re human remains. They haven't found 
anything of hers. Um, she just sort of, sort of vanished. And the thing that kind of drew me to doing this story is it's kind of similar. I listen to a lot of the stuff on Missing 411 and in the United States where people go missing in the national parks. And then coming across this one where someone went missing in a provincial park that is also in my neck of the woods. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Um, so even still, this is, you know, 2007, we're in 2020, that's <laughs> 13 years later, no sign of her at all. Um, so some of the theories are anything. Like, they sort of hit all over the place, right? So there's one theory that maybe she ran off to start a new life. And that's what people always think when someone goes missing. Maybe they just did it on purpose. Maybe they bailed on life, as it were. But it's really hard to do when you just plan to go for a jog and don't return. Like, she would have just had the clothes on her back unless she had hidden something somewhere. But she wasn't from the area. And that just seems really strange that she would have done and left her, you know, her family and friends like that. One of the other theories is an animal attack. So yeah, there's lots of bears and wolves and, you know, wild animals in the area. But even if that did happen, there would be evidence. So you'd find some trace of her body, you know, some pieces of clothing. You'd at the very least find something, find something where an attack had taken place. You know, uh, bits of clothing, clothing, blood disturbance in the woods, you know, something, something like that. There would be some kind of evidence if there was an animal attack. Um, another theory is that maybe she got lost. So this is one that I think, you know, is easily possible. Um, but it does have some flaws as well. Uh, it's that she could have gotten lost on the trails or disoriented while she was running, you know, even though it's a provincial park and the trails are usually well-maintained and well-marked. Um, she may have gotten confused or something may have scared her. So, you know, she could have gotten turned around. She's from Toronto. She's from the city. She's, you know, they, they all admit that they're all very inexperienced campers. So they're probably, you know, inexperienced in the woods as well. And she could just be running down the trail and maybe an animal jumped out and startled her and she went off the trail and couldn't find her way back. So, you know, she's running down the trail, an animal jumps out, she backs up to get away from it or turns around into the woods, gets kind of, you know, disoriented that way, can't find her way back to the trail, gets lost, you know, something like that. Um, but even so, she probably would have likely yelled for help and eventually been found. Um, there was a case of a woman in her 70s who went missing in the park and she was found nine hours later, so it's very likely that Christina would have been found as well. Um, unless she hurt herself and was unconscious and couldn't yell for help, possibly. Um, but even then, they would have found they would have found something, right? They would have found her, her body or something like that. If she'd been hurt and laying on the ground in the woods, she she probably would have been found. Um, so the next theory <laughs> is that she was abducted um, and <laughs> not abducted by aliens, abducted by some bad person, I guess, who could have been driving down the highway. So like I said, the park is, it's on the Trans-Canada Highway um, and that's sort of our one road that's always joked about in Canada where we have one main highway that goes all the way across Canada. 
and the park's right on it. So that's the main the main route, right? Um, and people have been abducted on the highway before. There's been, you know, murders on the highway in the area and people have been kidnapped. It's something that happens. So if she had gotten turned around and ended up, you know, running on the highway by herself, or if she maybe decided to change her mind halfway through a run and decided to turn around and catch up to Eddie and meet him on the highway, she may have happened upon someone. Someone may have, you know, seen her or stopped and asked if she needed a ride and then abducted her. And the sad reality is, like, a lot of young women go missing that way. It's something that just sort of, you know, happens. It's what happens in in the world. So, you know, that is a possibility as well. Um, and the kind of, the one that falls in line with that as well um, is foul play. So, kind of along the lines, like, did, did her friends have something to do with her death? It, like I said, it took them over seven hours to report that she was missing. And they say in that time that they were searching for her, but how do we know that that was the last time she was actually seen? That she, you know, that she was last seen running with Eddie. I mean, for all we know, she could have made it back to camp only to have something happen to her then. You know, did she, did she make it back to camp after her run and get into an argument with her friends? Did she have some kind of accident that they thought they would be responsible for and decided to, you know, hide her body? Did, you know, did she come back and somehow trip and fall and hit her head on a rock or get into an argument with someone and, you know, they pushed her and she fell and hit her head or, you know, something like that. That could have happened and they could have panicked and decided to hide her body. Seven seven hours is is a very long time to wait to report someone missing in the woods. Um... And even if it is completely innocent, it does kind of stand out that they took that long to report her missing. I mean, that's you, you would think that it would be a lot sooner, in my opinion. Um, but then the only sort of problem with that theory is that, you know, if they did hide her body, they had, you know, say seven hours to do it. That's probably, you know, even where they hit her, unless they buried her like crazy deep, they probably would have found some evidence. You know, having like the dogs out there and everything probably would have found some kind of evidence of her um so it's really hard to say um so those are some of the theories i think the one that i think of probably happened is it's very likely that maybe someone abducted her um i think that if she just got lost or fell and hurt herself or something like that 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 she would have been found um some sort of evidence you know um, shirt or clothing, parts of her body remain something, there would have been something found. So I tend to lean to the theory that, you know, that she was likely abducted, unfortunately, and that's the, the sad fate that she met. Um, so after the initial search in 2007, there were a few more attempts to find her. In June 2008, working with the OPP, Christine's family organized an extensive private search of the park. But after 22 volunteers with search dogs, five days, and spending nearly $44,000, they found nothing. Then again, in November 2008, her family hired another private team with six cadaver cadaver dogs to search the park. All six dogs detected human remains in the bottom of the river. But the water was rushing too rapidly over the rocks and it was too deep and too swift for them to go any further, according to the search manager. So was that Christina? Was that 
another person who may be gone missing in the area. Not not too sure. But they're, you know, they couldn't really say then. And then going back, there was one final search in 2009 and it still turned up nothing. So it's very hard to say what happened to her. Um, like I said, I'm kind of inclined to believe that she was possibly abducted. Um, I think that maybe she changed her mind about jogging on the highway even um, and turned around to catch up to Eddie or you know just somewhere along that way someone happened upon her and decided to abduct her. She's you know five foot two a pretty small woman she would have been easy to kidnap abduct and you know that's sadly what happens to some people around here. So that's my theory of it. Um, it's a very sad, unfortunate event that someone, you know, a young girl will go missing in the woods. And it's one of those, those weird ones where like, yeah, it is kind of strange that someone would just vanish without a trace in the woods. Like it happens in America for all the missing 411 stuff. So that's the case of Christina Kaleka. Um, I apologize for if I sound really stuffed up on this episode. I'm going through horrible allergy season. Um, it's really kicking up in Canada here. It's been super windy. It's blowing all the pollen around. And it is not fun for my seasonal allergies despite taking allergy medication. And that makes podcasting not much fun when you're all stuffed up and can't really breathe very well. Um, so hopefully... I, was, I feel weird saying I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, hopefully you found it interesting as a as a missing person in Northern Ontario. It's a pretty famous case and you can look it up. Um, and I would suggest, you know, if you're interested in it as well, um, just sort of, you know, Google map the area of Rainbow Falls Provincial Park, see how the area lays out, you know, where the running trails are and possibly where she could have gone. And, you know, maybe, maybe you'll have answers. It's still an open case. So you can always contact the Ontario Provincial Police if you, have any ideas or theories possibly if you know something so there is always that option as well thanks for listening to the podcast as always you can find us on itunes google play stitcher wherever you get your podcast apps just look for the podcast and as well the podbelly network check them out at podbelly.com on the internet for all your podcast needs and wants and you can find my shop at shop.littlegeekloss.com with all my fun t-shirts as well as everything else you know for me at littlegeekloss.com on the internet 